times in our life, and this week we're talking about Now, I don't necessarily mean like it's Halloween time and you like to go to those haunted houses and get yourself all riled up and scared and have people jump out at you, or you like to watch the movies that, you know, make you freaked out a little bit. I'm talking about when life gets scary, like when life just feels like it's closing in on top of you and you're not sure what the escape route is and you're panicking. That's what we're talking about, when I get terrified. And so we're going to take a look at this story that Jesus shares or that John shares about Jesus in the book of uh, John chapter 6 and just talk a little bit about this and and what Jesus brings to a terrified life. So if you have your Bible, John chapter 6, let's take a look at it. It actually starts in verse 16 where we're going to read today. So if you have your Bible, uh, follow along or it'll be on the screen. If you're kind of a digital savvy, you can look at it on your phone Uh, as well, or your tablet, whatever you'd like to do. John chapter 6, verse 16. says this, That evening, Jesus' disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. But as darkness fell and Jesus still hadn't come back, they got into the boat and headed across the lake towards Capernaum. Soon a gale swept down unto them, and the sea grew very rough. They had rowed three or four miles when suddenly... They saw Jesus walking on the water towards the boat. They were terrified. But he called out to them, Don't be afraid. I am here. Then they were eager to let him in the boat, and immediately they arrived at their destination. Now, you might know this story because there, it actually shows up in the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Mark. Now, we're walking through John, of course, and you might know this story and think more about Peter the disciple that gets out of the boat and starts walking on the water for a little while, then he gets panicked and he starts to sink. Do you remember that part of the story? Notice John doesn't put that in here. Why? John's emphasis is not on Peter. His emphasis in his entire book, start to finish, is on you knowing Jesus. And so he writes it a little bit different here. Same story, same thing is happening in the story. He leaves out the detail about Peter here. So you're probably more familiar with this story than you might have thought, but your familiarity might be with Peter. Let's talk about these disciples and specifically Jesus here. Can I just ask you before we get going too deep, are you in a terrified life right now? Like, I mean, right now, are you just in situations in your life that you're panicked about? you're fearful about. You think, I I don't know what the escape route is for me in this. I don't know where this is going to go. It's all question marks. And I spend most of my days, you know, in a sweat thinking about it. Sometimes if I was honest, I'd say I'd lay in the bed at night and around 11 o'clock, the scenarios just start to roll through my head and I have a hard time shutting it down and going to sleep. That's what we're talking about living the the terrified life. Jesus actually says, we find this all through the New Testament, that he actually came to bring us this peace and joy and to take away this type of panic in our life. 
So let's take a look uh, at this story just a little bit. Let's recap what's going on here. Now, we've walked through the whole book of John up till now. All of those sermons are online if you want to kind of catch up and bring us up to date. So I won't give you all the the background here. But what we found out last week is that Jesus has this miraculous encounter where he he feeds the 5,000. Do you remember this? An amazing story that happens in God's word. Then uh, right after this is when this walking on water happens. You see, that evening... Uh, they were going to get in the boat and they were going to head over. Presumably, they were going to try to you know, get across at a decent hour. But guess what? Jesus was nowhere to be found. I mean, Jesus was late. You know, Jesus was like rolling in like, you know, third song during a worship service. <laughs> if, okay, all of you who laughed, I know exactly. You're my, you're my people. Third song in the worship service. You know why we do three songs in the worship service? That's right. That's right. So everybody gets to hear one. Yeah, so Jesus is late to the game here, and so they decide, man, we can't wait, right? We're going to just go. They get in the boat, and they head across. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm hanging out with this Jesus guy, and I'm following him everywhere, like I've dedicated my life to Jesus, and I just saw him do what he did you know, with, the, with the, the loaves and the fish— like, I'm waiting all night, you know, like, I'm not budging, but, but they, you know, they, they basically said they needed to head on, and they did. They got in the boat, and they headed out across the sea, and as you know, this great wind swept up, and it got pretty choppy on the water. Now, this is a pretty decent-sized lake, your translation might say. It's the Sea of Galilee, and so it's pretty good size. It's about 13 miles long and about eight miles across, so, you know, not, a, not one of these big, great lakes like we know here in the States, but also not, you know, your little lake, you might have a little lake house next to. So it's a decent size here. In fact, big enough that they could get out, and if a storm rolled in, they would be in trouble. Now, I don't know about you, but um, I'm okay going out in boats, but if I'm just 15 feet from the dock, and you know, and it's like this, um, there's a little bit of panic that starts to come over me, where I'm trying to figure out what's going to happen if I go into the water. They're out in the middle, miles away from the shore, it seems like here, and the waves kick up, and this situation comes about. It would make sense that they would be terrified in this situation. My family has been after me for years to go on a cruise. Have you been on a cruise, any of you? Yeah, for years. But the whole thing of being out where I can't see the shore anymore is the panic part for me. So at this point, I've decided to just panic on shore about it, before I got out there to see if there's anything worth really panicking about, um, you can understand these guys would be panicked in this situation. And then Jesus shows up. If they weren't scared enough from the wind, at least they knew wind, they knew storms, they'd experienced that kind of thing. Now they're looking at this guy they were following. He's walking on water, walking on water in front of the boat. Now, he had just fed 5,000. They'd never seen anything like that, right? You know, give me that little basket and boom, everything, you know. And now here, take all these leftovers. And they just saw that. I mean, and now Jesus is topping it, one-upping it. He's walking on water. Now Now they're outright terrified is what the Bible tells us. Jesus, of course, in his calming way. And I I tell you, I just challenge you, look at the book of John. See how many times if there's not this calming statement of Jesus at the end of these passages. We find one here. Don't be afraid. I'm here. And, of course, they invite him into the boat. Let's just look at three things here I think that that 
that really relate to us when I am terrified. Here's the first one. Uh, We get terrified by the situations, right? We get terrified by situations. We're put in certain situations at certain time, and immediately there's a panic. Like, a lot of you, if I forced you right now, you didn't have a choice, to say, come up on stage, and would you share the rest of this scripture for the next five minutes with the whole congregation? Like, that, would, that situation would send you into an outright panic, right? We get terrified by situations. That makes sense to us. In this particular story, these guys were in a situation, these disciples. Even though they had followed Jesus, they had seen several miracles up till now, They'd even seen Jesus challenge the religious leaders. They had seen and heard his teaching, which was very different. They knew, like, this is the guy. This is the Messiah. Yet here they were so terrified because of this situation that they were in. Out on the seas with the storms kicked up and really rough. So we get terrified by our situations as well. You know what I get terrified? I... Bed Bath and Beyond is terrifying. I'm telling you right now. Um, you go into t- Bed Bath and Beyond, and like usually, like I'm pretty good. North, South, East, West. That's that's not a problem um, with me. So if I walk in a store like Michaels, I can navigate North, South, East, West. It's fine. Just don't ask for tape or that kind of thing in Michaels um, because they'll send you to 12 different areas because there's different tapes for every craft. Apparently, Bed Bath and Beyond's a little bit different. I get in there and they have these little sections, display sections you go into, and once I get into them, I am crazy disoriented and can't get out. It's, it's terrifying. To, you need, I need to keep my wife in frame of reference all the time. I need to know where she's at to, to be able to get out of bed, bath, and beyond. Are you terrified of anything? I mean, like right now, are you living something like a relationship? Like right now, is there just a relationship in your life your marriage is, is rough, it's going south, or you're separated right now, and you're just terrified. What does this mean? How do I even recover from this? How do I even talk to that person anymore? And you just roll with panic. How about your job? Like, you just know they're downsizing. I see it all around me. I don't even know how I'm hanging on to my job, but, and you're in a panic. You're terrified. How about your finances? Do you live there sometimes? You look at the bank account, uh, better yet, do you avoid looking at the bank account? Amen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We can live in terrified states with our finances constantly. How about your health? Or, or maybe you're aging and you're panicked. You're terrified of some of these things. These are situations we get into quite regularly. Some of them are situations we'll all go through. How about, are you terrified of not reaching your goals? Like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm about to turn 45. It's very easy at times to stop and think, like, ha- have I done anything that I set out to do? Like, when I left college all charged up for life, have I accomplished anything? Have I made any difference, any value to my world or the people I've come in contact with? Do you panic about things like that? These are like real things that we can live in fear and live a terrified life. Can I just tell you something here that we learn in this passage in just a minute? Jesus is in every situation. 
Like every single situation we go through, Jesus is in it. You say, well, but the disciples, they were in the boat and Jesus wasn't there. Do you remember the passage where Jesus actually says later on in the book of John, we'll get to it, Jesus actually says, hey, I'm going away, and guess what? When I go away, I'm going to send one, a comforter, the Holy Spirit, and then he says this odd little phrase at the end of it, and it will be to your advantage. That seems weird, right? Jesus is going away but it will be to our advantage that he goes away? He says, yeah, because the Holy Spirit, who's one of the, you know, the part of the Trinity, will come and he will dwell with you. Every day, every moment of your life will dwell with you. Do you understand that? I mean, that means that you have God, the power, the the, the Trinity, the, the, the Holy Spirit with you all the time in every situation you encounter, always. Unlike the disciples here, like you don't have to look for him walking on the water because the Holy Spirit's with you already in every situation. I sometimes believe as believers in Jesus Christ, claiming that fact alone will dynamically change your every day. Claiming that. But I think sometimes we drift and we forget and we claim whatever philosophy we might see on TV or or whatever the, the cultural norm is, and we go that route. Take a look at this, this passage. It's a famous passage in Psalm 23. Some of you grew up memorizing this or even putting it to song and singing it, but let me read verse four to you in Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, guess what? I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. That's your situation. He's with you. Your rod and your staff protect me, and they comfort me. Claim that this morning, believers, in every situation that you might be terrified. The second thing here is we get terrified by lack of control. Anybody get terrified sometimes when you don't have control of a situation? Um, Some of you ever get terrified because you're in the passenger seat and not in the driver's seat, and you're pushing the floorboard of the passenger side, the the carpet there is all worn out because you've been rubbing it up and down. Yeah. I mean, we get panicked at times because we don't have control of a situation. We don't have control. This is how most of us function. Either we want to get behind somebody who is like leading really, really well and leading the way we would want them to lead, or... Get out the way, I want to do it myself, right? And really, is there a lot of middle ground there? We get a little panicked. We get panicked when we don't have control of a situation. So my son was home from college, right? Um, And he decided to go out. And of course, he's 18 years old now, and we we always kind of had a 12 o'clock rule at our house uh, on the weekends. And of course, now I'm like, well, okay, go on out. Just let me know where you're going to be at. And... so he rolled in about 2 o'clock, and parents, I mean, you know, that's not good sleep when you're trying to sleep and, and one of your, your kids is out. You just, you, you don't sleep well. Um, so uh, um, I ended up texting him somewhere around 1.30, and I said, hey, close? <laughs> Question mark. And he said, you know, a little bit longer, whatever he had said. And so I fell asleep and woke up, and I texted him again, close? <laughs> um, um, and, uh, and he sent me one of those little uh, acronyms that I wasn't quite sure what it meant. I had to play it over in my head. And it was 2 o'clock in the morning. Um, what I thought he was saying to me was, oh, my word, um, O-M-W, 
And I thought, man, when am I getting this lip at 2.15 in the morning here, you know, um, because I'm concerned about my son and where he might be. Um, come to find out it means on my way, <laughs> on my way home. Um, what, what's the panic at 2 in the morning? I got no control. I'm in the bed. He's out with the car, and I'm nervous. We panic. We get terrified when we don't have control. I tell you, sometimes we get in places in our life we don't feel like we control anything. Anything. You say, like my job, like I've got no control. I could walk in tomorrow. You know, I could plead my case and talk to how valuable I am, and I got no control of the situation. Like, I got no control of my finances right now, even though, like, I've trimmed down and got rid of all of these things that I should not spend money on in our situation. Um, I, I've messed things up for a while, and I'm having to pay back, or I'm having to do this, and I'm, like, locked. I feel like I have no control of even my finances. And you can just keep going. The list goes on and on, and we get panicked. There's a couple things uh, that we get panicked about control on. Here's one. It's um, when there's nothing uh, we can do about it, like we get panicked. That's what we've been talking about. But there's another one. Um, when I don't know what to do. I feel a lack of control, and I can get panicked when I don't know what to do. Like I'm looking at a situation, and I can't figure out what is the wise thing to do. What's the right thing to do? How do I even make a decision in this situation? And I can feel terrified because I feel a lack of control there. I can't figure out what to do. There was this time in the Old Testament where one of the kings, Jehoshaphat, and if you know the Old Testament, you'll know it's, it's, just, it's this beautiful story of, of like good king, bad king, good king, bad king, like, like this. And almost always, bad king, bad for the people. Good king, good for the people, and that type of thing. A couple instances, good king, bad people um, as well was turned out to be bad. But it's, so if you ever want to just get in Joshua and just start reading through, but we find there's one named Jehoshaphat, good king. And he's in a situation where these different armies, three different armies decide, you know what we'll do? None of us like each other. Let's come together though, and we'll go and destroy the Israelites. And they did. They have kind of this historic like union. They ally together because they want to go and destroy God's people. And Jehoshaphat is the king. And so Jehoshaphat, he, he calls all the people together, right? Uh, every, everyone in the kingdom, he calls together, and he's giving this speech. And if it was a movie speech, right, there would be some amazing thing like you've seen in Independence Day or Lord of the Rings or Braveheart and those type of things, and everybody would be riled up and cheered, and they'd lift their swords, and they'd run off to battle, right? And they'd win because it's a movie. But you know what? Jehoshaphat stands up in front of everyone, and this is what he says. He says, we're powerless against the mighty army that's about to attack us. We don't know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. He's saying this in the form of a prayer in front of the people gathered. He says, now let's look up to God. And this is what we're going to say. I don't know what to do. There's nothing we can do against this mighty army. This is unprecedented, but we'll look to you. And guess what? Another one of God's amazing stories, the Israelites win. There are times in our life when you are 
paranoid, you're petrified, you're scared, you're living the terrified life because you don't know what to do. And can I remind you this morning, when you don't know what to to do, look to Jesus. Look to the Lord and ask, what would God have me do here? Do you know the answers? Sometimes God's going to say, you know what? I've been beating this into your head for 15 years. You already know what to do. Get out and do it. Quit sitting on your couch waiting for some divine blessing. Go do it. Sometimes his answer is, don't do anything. Just sit. Just wait. I'm not ready to reveal to you what I'd have you to do. You just need to, with patience, walk through this dark season. And sometimes God just does this thing that we would never expect, this kind of this supernatural empowerment in some way that we have a hard time even explaining, and we go out and we find victory that way. But this morning, if, if you're in a situation like that, look, look to Jesus. That's what John is saying. I mean, the whole book of John, that's all he's telling. Hey, finally, this last one, this will be a, a, a little interesting one. We get t- terrified by Jesus. Do you know that? We get terrified by Jesus sometimes. Take a look at the story, what happened. When suddenly Jesus was walking on the water towards the boat, they were terrified. And if we wanted to be really, make sure we're honest in the scripture, now we would look, I mean, they're in in a situation where there's a storm, they're in the middle of the the boat, they would be scared. But if we want to be fair to how John is describing it, the only place where he mentions they're actually terrified is when they see Jesus. They look out on the water, and there's Jesus walking, and they become terrified. Now, I don't even have anything to compare this to, to put it in a frame of reference. I've been to the Kidder's Pool quite a few times. I've never been able to duplicate this passage there. There's some of you who are very holy in here, and you haven't been able to duplicate it either. So I don't even know how to put that into a frame of reference, looking out onto the water and seeing somebody walk across the water. It sounds like it's something that you might be terrified of. Maybe they weren't for sure and even recognized it was Jesus himself because Jesus says, hey, you know, I'm here. It's me. But they look and they're terrified. But as I look at this passage, it reminds me sometimes we get terrified of Jesus. What Jesus is calling us to do, what he's calling us to be. Sometimes you come into church and you just know God is impacting your heart in a certain way. God is saying, hey, you need to commit here, or you need to commit off of this, or uh, you need, you're ready to become a Christian, or you're ready to follow this, or you're ready to sign up and serve here, or whatever. You know God is working on your heart and leading you. And you're petrified about that. What, was that bring, what would that bring to my life? What would that look like? Sometimes I... I've told you before, I can almost sense God's doing something in your heart. And it's like, if I could just wait out the Lord for 20 more minutes, I can be out of this church. I can be on to lunch. As long as I don't have lunch with somebody in the church who, you know, said yes, um, I'm going to be in pretty good shape. And you can just move on because we get a little terrified. What is, what is it? What is it Jesus would be calling me to? What would he be speaking to me about? What does he want me to drop in my life? How does he want to transform me? There's a passage that's become important to us in the church where Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You've heard me talk about this passage several times. And it's the follow me. Uh, with my head, I say, okay, I should follow Jesus and I will make you. That's a frightening part because Jesus is saying, look, now that you have committed, I want to transform your life. I want to change you. 
I want to make you new. I want to make you into what I designed you to be up till now in the first place. And sometimes, as the old uh, uh, science teacher might say, you know, sometimes to deal with that, the, the, the dark, oily things have to rise to the surface of the water and be skimmed away. And sometimes it's painful in our life to see those things rise and to deal with those things in our life. The beauty of Jesus is he says, I want to do that for you. I want to do that with you. And just like he tags on at the end of these passages, this, this so kindful, passionate way of dealing with us, he does the same thing to our heart uh, into our lives as well. Matthew 14, 26 says this same passage, it's this same story from Matthew's perspective, and he says this, Jesus climbed into the boat, and guess what happened? The wind stopped. The storm stopped. And I don't want to use that passage this morning to declare that in every situation, if you would just look to Jesus and declare Jesus, that suddenly the hardship in your life will go away entirely. Like, you know, you look at your bank account and go, wow, all this money now, you know, I don't know anybody, this is... Jesus doesn't necessarily work that way. But I can tell you all that he wants to offer your life, his peace, his joy, his life is available to you there. Psalm 118.6 just says it this simply for us. And maybe this is, this is your verse to claim. The Lord is for me, so I will have no fear. I have no fear because the Lord is for me. Hey, quickly, uh, what do we do when fear threatens? Let me just highlight these, these last couple things. Number one, when fear threatens, pray. The Bible tells us all through the Gospels to pray when we're panicked. Philippians 4.16 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Worry, you know, leads to crazy panic. So go to God in prayer. Take it. Like, if you were this week just to say, okay, for one week, I'll just test this out and see if this works. In every situation you would identify as worry sneaking up, if you would say, no, instead I'm going to pray for the next minute, two minutes, however long, I'm just going to pray about this situation. Just put it to the test for the next seven days. The second thing is work on today. This follows the suit here. Matthew says, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will have its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. They say, just work on what's in front of you. Work on what you can work on. Usually in married situations, when I'm sitting with a couple and it's not looking good, I'll say to them, you need to first work on what it is God is challenging you to work on. Because our tendency is to turn the finger and says, yeah, but he should and she needs to. It may even be true. But usually God's blessing comes when we start working on us. And what Matthew is saying here is work on today. There's so much in front of you today to work on. And finally, draw to community. Colossians 3.15 says, And let the peace that comes from Christ rule your heart, for as members of one body you're called to live in peace. Now this is just a small excerpt of of larger passages from Paul in Colossians, in Romans, and in in Corinthians as well, where he talks about the value of the community and what it brings to your life. The value of being in community. And so we encourage you to draw to community. Draw to believers that will speak good, wise Christian values and help you. Draw to your small group or get plugged into a small group. And draw to people that you can spend time with and that can 
share loving Christian community with you. So this morning, I want to pray for you, because my guess would be this, that in a group this size, there's probably a number of you that live in fear and panic every day. And if you're not there today, you know, buckle up, because it's probably coming. Situations always do in our life. But I want to pray that you could walk through it in the way we've talked about this morning. So would you bow and pray with me? Father, thank you um, for this morning. I thank you that your, your word speaks volumes, that we can live a life that's not dominated and led by fear, but we can live a life, Lord, that's, that's a gift of your peace. And so, Lord, I pray this morning, especially for anyone sitting here, that that's where they're at. They're just in panic all the time. Or maybe they would say, look, it's not all the time. I just drift into it and then out of it and into it. But when I'm in it, it's just, it's just not good life that day. And I would just pray this morning, Lord, uh, that your spirit would bring healing there. A renewing of the mind and a renewing of the approach. And that we would look out on the waves of our life and, and we would know we can declare right now Jesus is already there. And we would invite him, as the disciples did, into our boat that we might discover and know his peace. Maybe this morning it's time for you to invite him into your boat for the very first time to become a Christian. We've talked about that this morning. Lord, forgive me. Come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. It's a simple prayer like that. But maybe for most of you, like you've done that. You've been there. And this is more like you're... You're a Christian, but you just haven't lived out this aspect of your Christianity, following and trusting the Lord. Instead, you've wanted to to live in fear. I pray this could be a morning that you would just say, Lord, I surrender this to you. I surrender this relationship. I surrender this fear, this, these finances, this job situation. I surrender it all to you. And I trust you, Lord. Lord, we thank you that you hear these prayers, everyone that would go up in this room. And you're a God that answers and loves, we pray. In your son's name, amen. Amen, amen. Hey, if uh, this morning, if there's anything in our teaching, anything that just sparks within you, or you said, hey, that resonates on this level, and I just need prayer for this, or I need to talk about this, would you just please use those cards that are sitting there? Just, just let us know, and we'd love to pray for you. I'd love to even meet with you, have coffee with you, and just uh, be a blessing to you in any way that we can be uh, here at this church. Well, we're going to take up uh, our morning tithes and offerings, and so uh, as our ushers come,